Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, friends, and welcome to A Little More Good, the podcast where myself, Dean Morris, or Diener, and my good pal, Zach Berman of The Juice Truck, explore themes that light us up. A Little More Good is inspired by community. Our intention is to create dialogue that is not only interesting to listen to, but inspires you to take what you've learned through the conversation and apply it to your own life in a meaningful way. So let's get to it. And together, we can create a little more good. All right, today we sat down with a local legend, hmm. Tim, Tim Lee. Tim Lee, local legend, the man never ages, cyclist, runner. Runner, swimmer sometimes, I think. Yeah, he can swim. At least with the, with the little floaties on or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's also the owner of a great cafe here in Steveston and it's on the Richmond Loop for you cyclists out there. Sanctuary Cafe. If you know him, you love him. If you don't know him, tune in and we're sure you're going to love him by the end of the episode. Yeah, this is a great conversation with a great human. We give you the ineffable Tim Lee. It's everything that exists here now in the cafe is you know, has come from, you know, my whole life of experience. And I think part of the character of the cafe, too, is the storytelling that exists when you come in here. And I hate to say I'm a bit of a talker, you might know. <laughs> and, and I love telling stories. And sometimes they're my stories, sometimes they're the stories of my friends. Yeah. Um, and all of those stories is kind of what, you know, fed into you know, this cafe and, you know, it's reflected in the walls, in the, you know, the decor and, and, you know, how we approach our customers and how I want my staff to approach the customers. Um, you know, it, it was all about storytelling. It was all about all the experiences. And, you know, that was also something I thought that if I had stories that I could tell to my staff, they could learn something as far as taking something away, you know, as, you know, as young people, 
you know, working in their first job and and taking it away and applying it to their next job, or as I kept on calling it, their big boy job, their yeah. real job. Right. Um, you know, this is fun for them. You know, this is funny money for them. And, yeah. and but if they can learn something, learn how to interact with adults, learn how to deal with you know angry customers, or even just being friendly and you know being inquisitive. You know, hey, I noticed you got a cast on your hand there. How did that happen? People want to tell stories. People want to hear stories, yeah. right? And if you can make it human, it makes it a comfortable place, right? It makes yeah. it a place where you want to come back to. And that's what it is. I mean, it's all about relationships. It's all about um, the people you get to know. You might not become lifelong friends, but everyone's got a story. And yeah. if you're curious enough and you see something that's going on, you'll be like, hey, what's going on? You know, and it could be a good day for them. It could be a bad day for them. But... You know, creating a place where they can open up about it and talk about it is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. So, anyways, I don't no, know. No, that's so good. That's like the best. Normally, we do like a try to get like an intro in, but that's the intro. Yeah, that's the intro. We started. Is, we're rolling. So we're oh, here. We're rolling. Oh, we're here with our good friend Tim Lee. Tim is the owner, founder, visionary um, behind Sanctuary Cafe, which we're sitting in right now. Um, it's a beautiful cafe dedicated to community as tim has just said um while the words are on the wall behind you coffee cycle and culture and uh tim and his wife aaron and your staff have have really created um an awesome little bastion of those things in our community Uh, a great place to have a cup of coffee or a snack um, to come for a chat it's like it's like the cheers it's like you walk in and people know you you know the you know you know the clientele, yeah. and uh, yeah. So we're, we want to sit down with you here in your cafe tonight to to get the story of Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Yeah, and I'll, as always, uh, joined with my pal Zach here. Hi guys. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah. So we just want to have a conversation with you, Tim, uh, about about this place, how it came to be, and, and Zach, you were saying before we kind of kicked off the the seed that was planted in your life at whatever point that that kind of got to this place where you're, you're running this beautiful, beautiful cafe and it's on the major cycling route and there's people from the neighborhood who are regulars and there are people who live in North Van that are regulars because they regulars, ride here, absolutely. which is pretty cool, right? It is really cool. And, and that theme, I think, of storytelling permeates with your customers too because, you know, I see the cyclists here and the first question is like, oh, where did you ride today? Yeah. And then the stories begin yeah. just from that question because, you know, you've created a culture um, that is about adventure and, and sharing that. So um, yeah. if, we, if we take it back um, to, to the beginning, the seed that grew the sanctuary, um, when did you get your first road bike? Um, it's funny. I, I got my first road bike in 2008, and it was actually my wife Erin's uh, road bike. So she was getting more and more serious about triathlon at the time and she started on a mountain bike and then she transitioned to a road bike and then she jumped up in distance in a more competitive type race or event and so she felt she needed a time trial bike and so her her road bike just sat in the corner and started collecting dust and I thought all right well I'm gonna go get some cycling shorts and cycling kit and um, and get those tights and get the helmet and start riding and you know the moment I I brought all those things home 
Aaron was like, what are you doing? Like, why do you have cycling tights? I thought, well, you know, you're not using that bike. So I figured I'd give it a go and go from there. And and that's kind of how it all started for me. And then uh, a friend joined me and then we decided to do the Ride to Conquer Cancer. I think it was in its first year, you know, around 2008, 2009, something like that. And we did it two years in a row. And... You know, we thought we were training hard by doing the Richmond Loop, you know, the, the 45 or 50 kilometers. And, the, the big hills. And then, then, then we, you know, after day one of, of the Ride to Conquer Cancer, riding down to Mount Vernon, yes. you know, we were, we were in one for sure because, you know, that was 100 and some odd K and we hadn't ridden more than about 55 kilometers <laughs> at any given time. And now we were getting ready to gear up the next day to do another 125 K or something like yeah. that. So... Yeah, that was um, sort of the first time I got a road bike. And you were, you were hooked from that point on? Yeah, pretty much hooked from that point on. I kind of immersed myself in, in even just watching the Tour de France. You know, you always hear about Lance Armstrong and all the, the drug and drugs and the doping and all of that stuff. But it was always, it was never really, you know, high on my priority list as far as sports watching goes. Um, you know, I was always a Canuck fan and a Lions fan and a Whitecaps fan and... Um, and did I played all those sports, but you know, I was never really a, a cyclist. But I immersed myself in watching the Tour of France and you know, watching really for the locations. You know, I, I grew up an airline brat, so I love to travel. And so when you see the footage, the aerial footage from you know, Italy and France, and you see these beautiful castles and you see these, um, you know, the landscapes, it was just gorgeous. And I thought, that's where I want to go. I, I want to go there and I want to ride where they're riding. Yeah. Definitely not as fast as them, but I wanted to be there. And, and that was kind of how cycling grew with myself and, and my, my circle of friends. You know, we, we all wanted to just ride our bikes and go up the Stelvio and, you know, climb Alpe d'Huez and climb Mount Ventoux and, you know, ride along the coastlines of, you know, wherever. Um, places we were seeing on TV. And so that was what cycling was all about to us, was the experience. What was your first cycling trip? Oh, boy. Um, Probably to Las Vegas, of all places, if you can believe it. Um, Yeah, so we went to Las Vegas, and uh, we learned a lot about, you know, the different places that you can ride down there. And it's incredible, the, the terrain that exists for road cycling, that most people you know, on two wheels, wouldn't think to go yeah. to Las Vegas. Yeah, you know? so you're like first thought when it comes to like a road cycling destination. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. I mean, we were always going down there. And then, you know, you start talking to people and you start realizing, you know, that there are these cycling routes and there's huge, you know, infrastructure there that exists that yeah. you would never think, once again, of Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, but most people don't think two blocks beyond east or west That's of true. the Strip. Yeah. Um, but if you go five, ten 15 kilometers away from the strip you're out into the desert and there's just quiet roads and you know safe roads and almost dedicated cycling routes there's this one route that's like a 55 kilometer route around a mountain and it's on a bike path no cars anywhere 55k around it's safe it's wonderful (laughs) it's hot yeah (laughs) it's hot as stink but it's uh do it early do it early, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of my favorite rides. That's know. awesome. It's one of my favorite rides, and people wouldn't think. You know, Go to Las, Las Vegas, Vegas for a cycling yeah. trip. It's crazy. Huh. But yeah, that was probably one of my first, but 
you know, I've gone to other places since. Um, yeah, because some of these, like, places that you would have seen watching, like, the tour and these other, like, cy- legendary cycling locations, yeah. like, you've actually... We've got a bucket list. Down, right? Yeah, we've got a bucket list. There's there's 50 um, mountains to climb in, in Europe that, you know, we want to start ticking off. And uh, so, yeah, we've probably got about... 15 or 16 ticked off so far oh, and so amazing. yeah so it's 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 something that we want to do and it's what's once again it's all about the experience right and it's about you know being with your friends and it's about um you know experiencing these beautiful landscapes and and challenging yourself um, physically and mentally but you're doing it with friends and at the end of it you get a good laugh about it over a glass of wine or a beer and yeah and, and, just and what a way to experience these cultures and these these communities like even thinking locally once I started cycling like I think it I rediscovered Richmond I rediscovered Vancouver I rediscovered North and West Van like you know a road that was just a road with a hill before that you never you know appreciated or, or looked twice at becomes like the destination becomes the journey becomes like the mental uh, meditation of like trying to the struggle to get to the top of the hill it becomes you know so much more on a bike and all the side streets and um you know the things that you pass by in the car you know you slow down or, or don't slow down depending on how fast you're going <laughs> yeah uh, but you see you see your own city or the places you're traveling on such a different lens and it, it's much more intimate than you know really any other mode of adventure yeah um, i mean you could, you could run that way but it's hard to it's you hard know, to cover as much distance. Kilometers and, uh, Absolutely, you, you know. get to see so much more um, on your bike, and and you do appreciate, you know, where you where you live, and and you look at, you know, your area, you know, especially like in Vancouver and Richmond, you look at it differently through the lens yeah. of a cyclist, um, and you know, a good example of it is if you ever have the chance to ride up to Whistler. You've ridden to Whistler, yes, right? yeah. and yeah. as well. That's yeah. right, you both have. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look back to all those times that you've driven that highway, yeah. um, you don't realize all of the climbing that exists and those hills, and you think, bugger. Yeah. Now you see it and you think, oh my God, that's insane. I, remember, I can't believe we did this. I remember like the day that I signed up for the Whistler Fondo. Yes. I came in here like that morning to get a coffee or whatever, and I was so excited to tell Tim. I was like, Tim, I signed up. I signed up for the Whistler Fondo. You're like, oh, okay. And then, like, it was, you know, you helped a few other customers. And then we just started chatting. I was doing some work, and then you were telling me. I was like, what do, what do I need to know? And you're like, oh man. And you like sat down, and you're just saying about like the power lines. He's like, I just remember the power. Line. And then, like, when I was doing it, I got there. I'm like, the no, power, the power lines. lines. Yeah. And then driving there since yeah. every time you see them. But it's so cool because a road that normally you're just like driving to to get to Whistler. Yeah. Because that's the point. Now it's like. It's a memory. Like every time you you drive, you're like, "Oh, I remember this. I remember yeah. riding here." Yeah. Like, yeah. You start to look at roads like a cyclist. Like you know, the descents and the ascents. You're like, "Oh, this would be a good place to come." Yeah. Whenever I see a killer hill or like a gravel patch that I haven't noticed before, I'm like, yeah. "I need to come back here and, and ride this." Yeah. As long as we're not verbalizing it out loud to our wives, oh, because yeah. they just roll their eyes and they think, "God, would you just let it go?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so what do you think it is about cycling? Because anyone that like you know as an outsider you see these people on these fancy bikes in the spandex and it might look crazy but once you suit up and go for a bike ride like it's you're hooked like there's not i haven't met many people that have like gotten into it and stopped you know you know what it kind of goes back to you know your original question of like where how did the how did it all begin like where where was the seed and and it all ties back to you know the the camaraderie and the friendships um that you develop um through cycling 
Um, it's like, what do they say? It's the new golf, right? Cycling yeah. is the new golf. And, you know, I golf for years as well with, with friends and, you know, the, the, the conversations and the banter back and forth and, you know, just all of those things that exist, um, exists also in cycling. But a lot of what, where that comes from, um, in cycling is not necessarily on the road when you're riding, yeah. but when you're at the cafe, when you're at the end of your ride, um, and you're sitting and you're laughing about, you know, your experience or you're, you're talking about your aches and pains or how tired you are. Yeah. Um, it's that banter that exists in a cafe. And that was really what I enjoyed the most about cycling right. was that, you know, I didn't want to go for a ride unless I knew that we were going to stop somewhere halfway at the halfway point or that, okay, we're going to grab a beer afterwards. Right. Yes. Like, otherwise what was the point like give yourself enough time yeah. so that you can get together and that was what i look forward to more than anything and when you get a chance to go away and cycle in europe um you know with with your mates um you know that was that was the best part because you know if you get the chance to do that and you know you have that freedom some with some respects and you don't have a schedule mm-hmm. um you can go ride as far as you want as long as you want and then you get to come back and you get to talk and laugh for as long as you want and do you feel that like teenage freedom at all like do you remember when you're like a 12 year old you get on your bike and like the world's your oyster you can go anywhere and it's kind of your first modes of freedom in some ways absolutely i remember you know being young and riding my bike around where the crabapple trail is now um trying to get lost with my friends like let's try to get lost in these neighborhoods we had all afternoon had all day in the summer and you just ride around and just keep riding. And that was the best part about yeah. being on your bike, you know, because you didn't have to get home till, till dark. Yeah. So you just kept on riding. Yeah. And that was the best part about it. And, yeah. So if we go to some of your travels, um, okay. okay, so Vegas was the first. Yeah. Um, what was your first adventure overseas after, you know, watching the Tour de France and the Giro and all of these, you know, amazing, you know, legendary hmm. historical bike rides because there is so much history of cycling I mean when Tour de France started in like 1800s or early 1900s I think the 1900s yeah something like that I mean I've got posters in our bathroom yeah, yeah. Somewhere, somewhere in the cafe yeah, I think, I think, I think the it's the 1920s they're all smoking the cigarette I know that's different yeah. times totally, now, right? yeah. different times well, I saw actually I saw on GCN I need to watch this I saw two of the guys um, re-rode the first Tour de France on bikes that they rode the original Tour de France on Oh, I, I, I saw a documentary on that. It was with um, Phil, the guy from The Amazing Race. Okay. He's a New Zealander or an Aussie. And he, yeah, recreates it and he rides it with his buddy. Yeah. Um, and it's just insane. Because they're wearing like their wools, yeah. like their wool kit. And they have these, the gearing. I was remember a scene that they actually had to get off their bikes <laughs> to change the gear oh on their, gosh. and move the chain <sighs> so that they could continue riding. And they're doing this on these inclines and in some of these climbs I've been on some of those climbs and I think bugger how did you get off your bike change the gears and then get back on your bike and try to go up that mountain again it was insane it was insane um so the first adventure for me it was in Italy actually okay um and that was Aaron and I um went there for our 20th 
wedding anniversary. Nice. <laughs> I, think it was, I think that's what it was. We'll, we'll fact check that. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm not exactly sure. It's ageless. You could be 25, you could be 75. I'm, 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 pretty, sure. Sure. I'm, pretty, sure was, I'm pretty sure it was 20. And um, I had this crazy idea, and it was all because, okay, I'm going to sound really shallow here. Yeah. Um, I saw a cycling jersey um, at, at the beer gardens at the end of the race or at the end of the ride on this husband and wife that I thought, that is the most beautiful jersey I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And on the back of it, it said, Maritona de la Dolomites. Yeah. So it was the Dolomites Grand Fondo. Amazing. And right away, grabbed my phone and I started looking it up and I thought, where is this thing? What is this ride that would have a jersey so beautiful? And I saw it and I think a year later or two years later, I was like, honey, we got to go and do this ride. Like it's got to be the place. And yeah. so that's what we did. Um, we signed up for this event um, in Northern Italy. We rode the Dolomites. It talk, was... Uh, talk us through that ride. Oh, Hardest day on the bike ever. Really? Hardest day on the bike. It was 138 kilometers and over 4,200 meters of climbing. Wow. Something like that. You so were, that's like double Whistler Fondo, basically, in terms of climbing. In terms of climbing. Yeah. 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 More than double. More than double. Crazy. Whistler's like 1,700. Yeah. Like yeah. That. So yeah, it was <laughs> in not that much. 1,738 kilometers. Yeah, so you were so like further, 10, 10 more K. With, you were either going up where you were going down. Yeah. And it was, like I said, the hardest day on the bike for me ever. Um, but the most picturesque, most beautiful um, scenery you'll ever see, like the granite, rock, mountain faces. Oh, it was just spectacular. Ooh. It's the most beautiful area. And really like the, the switchbacks or... Oh, all the switchbacks. Yeah. You know, the, you know, it was also with 9,000 of my closest friends. <laughs> so um, we were shoulder to shoulder with bikes, yeah. you know, snaking up these mountain passes and, you know, getting down each one of them and hurling down them at, you know, 60, 70 kilometers an hour, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people. It was insane. And I had no, I didn't have the experience to be riding in something like that, but... I didn't care. I wanted that jersey. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was awesome. It was such an amazing experience. Uh, I'd love to go back. Like that was that was a, a humbling experience too because it was so hard. Um, but the beauty, the you know, just the picturesque landscapes and oh, it was gorgeous. Like it's the best mountain passes. So what do you think it is with cycling and the desire to? Because it's like counterintuitive to like a logical person like. That doesn't cycle. <laughs> to suffer that to, long. To, and like, <laughs> yeah, what's with like the suffer fest, like the, the desire to climb hills? Yeah, because that's the worst part. When you're, when you're like a casual cyclist, yeah. like you avoid the hills mm-hmm. or you do them, but then it's like, it's the worst possible thing. But once you're a cycle, cycle like a true cycle, I mean, I don't want to say true cyclist, but once you've like, uh, well, no, I don't think, you, you know, hit I, a point I, where you like seek out, you know, you want to climb the top 50 hills in the world or whatever, you know, like, you know, I don't think anybody can categorize themselves as a cyclist because they, yes. they, they climb hills. Right. Um, you know, I think... But there's a draw to that mountain, right? There's definitely a draw for some. And like you said, you know, there's definitely others that have no yeah. desire to or any business of, you know, wanting to go up a mountain. But, you know, for me, it was, you know, it was the beauty. It was the, the picturesque landscapes that, that really drew me to climbing up mountains. Yeah. Um, but not everyone was like that. Yeah. Uh, 
but for me that was you know it was that sense of accomplishment that you know you would you know bury your head and you would suffer for an hour two hours three hours to get yeah. to the top of that mountain um but it's that sense of accomplishment you know but every cyclist has different goals and you know their sense of accomplishment might be you know riding five kilometers yeah. you know their sense of accomplishment might be um you know getting you know riding 50 kilometers 100 kilometers yeah. a, a century you know 160 kilometers um i met two women last summer yeah. uh because of covid they they bought themselves bikes and they'd heard through the grapevine about sanctuary and they yeah. lived in vancouver somewhere and they trained all summer and their goal was to get to sanctuary come on almost cried i was like yeah. are you kidding me to get to here yeah. and they were like yeah we've heard so much about your place we just wanted to train and, and get here and so we're here and so after they got here they came back like three or four times in, in like the next week and yeah. i just thought this is crazy but this was know. their beautiful jersey this yes this was their beautiful jersey yeah, yeah i know you know a greater accomplishment than my shallow accomplishment <laughs> But but yeah, it was it was something for me that I wanted to do, and um, you know, Aaron tagged along as well um, because it was our twentieth wedding anniversary. We uh, we also went and visited the Belvedere Hotel for the first time. Right. So I think you both have heard about the Belvedere, and, and these you know, are now lifelong friends of, your, of yours. So tell tell us about the Belvedere and your first experience. Uh, you know, our first experience was was shocking. We didn't think that you could be taken care of so well um, by a hotel mm. um, and this, from the services that they offered, which is basically a full, fully serviced, um, all-inclusive cycling hotel. So for cyclists, it's, it's heaven. <laughs> it really is. Wow. And I learned so much about service from them. I learned so much about you know, how they treat their customers and how they take care of their customers and their attention to detail. And it was just incredible to see them in operation. Um, and it was, it was the last day which really typified our whole experience at the Belvedere Hotel was when we were leaving the owner, her name's Maria. No, oh, sorry, Marina, sorry, uh, <laughs> Marina. Um, you know, she... Uh, rambled something something beautiful and eloquent in, in Italian to us and anything she could have been swearing at us and it still sounded amazing um, but she said something to us as we were rolling our bags across the bridge um, to get to our taxi to take us to the airport and she waved and a big smile on her face and she waved goodbye to us and my wife dropped her bags and ran across the bridge to hug her and she was in tears because she didn't want to leave and she just fell in love with the whole experience. And I thought, what owner of a hotel could have that kind of you know, impression yeah. and an impact on their guests? Sometimes you don't even see the owner of, of a yeah. hotel. You, you never do. But this person was there all day, every day, and just left such an impression with us. Wow. Just spectacular. So you get to the Belvedere and they take care of their, your, your guide for cycling. They take care of your bikes. Like yep. It's a full, full service deal. Full service. They take care of you. Um, you pretty much, you could just show up with just your bags and they'll outfit you. They'll put you on a bike and they'll assign you a guide and that guide will take care of you and take you to beautiful parts of 
you know, the eastern side of Italy. Wow. So on the Adriatic Sea. So it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Really, really nice cycling there. You know, obviously the food is great, um, but you're there for the cycling. And, you know, if you're there for a week, you're riding seven days a week. And it's perfect. Yeah. And it's for all levels, too. That's the great thing about them is that, you know, they have, they have guides that will take, you know, beginner riders. They'll take advanced riders. They'll take people on e-bikes now. Wow. Uh, which is really cool. That's changed things. Yeah, know. things have really changed. And, um, you know, even if you're just, uh, you know, a beachgoer and you just want to ride up and down the beach, they'll have someone that will show you and give you a bit of a tour. And it's, it's more touristy yeah. than maybe a more explorer ride or a racing type ride that you can do where you might cover, you know, over 100, 120, 130 kilometers in a day. But they have that too, all the way up to like intermediate kind of advanced riders, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they, like I said, they take care of every level of cyclist mm. that exists. So it's, it's a really nice place to go um, and cycle. And, you know, on any given day, if you're, if you're a racer, but you know what, I don't want to ride that hard tomorrow. Yeah. Um, you don't have to race every single day. You don't have to ride that hard. You can back off and you can do a little 20 kilometer jaunt down the beach yeah. or something or, awesome. or not at all or they'll have someone there to take care of you so yeah I have a lot of, a lot of good things to say and I have a lot of time for the Belvedere Hotel they've, they've treated us well we've been back three times Amazing. Um, since that first time and it's you know they take care of you it's definitely worth the investment yeah you know with COVID right now obviously uh, you know this is the way we travel is through Going back to that storytelling that you're talking about, yeah, like, you know. yeah it's so sad, and, you know, <laughs> and especially with the Belvedere, I, I, I do worry for them because they Depend they really on. focused their their business model around um, Canadian travelers, and, yeah. and what they'll tell us is that you know they love our Canadians, they you know they love Canadians more than anyone, um, yeah. and you know we're friendly, we're polite, we're respectful, and you know, and, and we enjoy riding just as much as they do, so. It, it was just a perfect fit, and I do worry about them, and I'm concerned, and I hope they're doing well over there. Yeah. But, uh, so we're all going to have to sign up for the Belvedere experience uh, yeah. once, once we can uh, Yeah, I know. know I, I want to go back there. It, it's a lot of fun. Um, the guides are great, um, and they're lots of fun as well. So they, they take care of you, and that's the best part is that, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't need to. They'll yeah, take care of it. Yeah, they sure. take care of the details. And like I said, that's what I learned from them, you know, yeah. so much about, you know, this whole customer service aspects and, yeah. you know, the attention to detail. That's so cool. So you're yeah. traveling to all these places, cycling, seeing cafes and, you know, experiencing the world on two wheels. Um, yeah. Did you, when you were having those cafe breaks, you know, in between your kilometers, is that when you started to imagine or, or daydream about one day having your own? Cafe? No, no. <laughs> um, and like I said, I think a lot of my life experiences have kind of come to this point where, yeah. where sanctuaries um, become what it is. Yeah. Um, it was more, it was more those cafe, coffee experiences where, you know, we're mid-ride, we're at the end of the ride, and, you know, just that, that moment when you're realizing, I just accomplished something, I'm super tired, I'm exhausted, but I'm having a great time. I've got a big smile on my face. Yeah. And it's just that feeling that I get that really kind of fed this whole idea. Mm. Um, I can't say that I've always dreamed of opening a cafe. I yeah. can't, you know, say that, you know, after the Belvedere, I came back and said, I want to open up this a coffee it. shop. No, yeah. it was more the feeling I got from those post-ride experiences, the feeling that I got those mid-ride, you know, coffee stops that, 
that I thought, I'm not, I can't be the only one that feels this way. And, it's, yeah. and it can't be because I'm in Italy, because I was experiencing it here in Richmond or, you know, riding in Vancouver or, yeah. you know, wherever I was riding. It's like that same experience permeates through cycling. Yes. Um, and, you know, at the pro ranks, you know, and, you know, even at the amateur ranks, people still look forward to these coffee stops. And it was just that moment of cycling that I loved the most yeah. and then you know doing it with your friends um, makes it even better we, you always talk about uh, civil cycling yeah <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that yeah that's that that's also sort of a culmination of of many things that has happened you know in my life and you know I think it's more of a philosophy that I have now um, you know I'm sure people if if they're listening to this that know me or knew me before you know, I might be might have been a little uptight and a little more stressed about things in, in life, and um, I've learned to let things go. Mm-hmm. Um, but civil cycling comes from, you know, the approach that you take or that you bring to cycling. You know, don't the whole idea behind it is that you don't lose sight of why you're doing it, and hopefully, it's because you enjoy it, you love it, and you know, be civilized about it. Um, because if you put too much time and effort and you neglect everything else around you to do it, um, it doesn't lead to happiness. Right. You know, it, it just leads to um, more of something that you'll end up disliking. And at the end of the day, if you approach cycling civilly, um, you'll probably be a lifelong cyclist and you'll enjoy it more and you know civil cycling you can apply the same logic and philosophy to you know anything that you do it could be playing the piano playing soccer playing hockey um you know you hear all these stories of kids that you know were playing hockey from three years old and they've never picked up a hockey stick or or skates you know ever again right Um, because they went too hard they went too hard and they they forgot or they lost you know what what they enjoyed most about it. Lost the why. Yeah. And so civil cycling is really about that. Um, and so there's a quote on my wall. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it or noticed it. Um, but it says, go fast enough to get there, but slow enough to see. And it's a Jimmy Buffett quote. Um, and it just kind of encapsulated everything that I felt at the time um, about civil cycling. And the philosophy behind it is that, you know, go and enjoy it. You know, get out there. If you're um, physically able to ride your bike, go out, enjoy the scenery, enjoy the landscape, enjoy your camaraderie with your friends and enjoy the time that you have with them. Um, That's what it was all about for me, civil cycling. And that feeling that you get when you approach it civilly and you're with your with your buddies and your or your, you know, your partner and and you're just riding and you're, you know, wind in your hair, Um, you know. Freedom, yeah. freedom, and you know, and you approach it civilly. You're not training yourself in, to the point where you're burying yourself so much so that you can't get up the next day, or you're aching and sore and injured. Um, you know, these are those are things that will push you away from mm-hmm. cycling more than you know draw you to it. And you know, we were talking earlier about you know quali- trying to qualify for Boston and the training that was involved. Yes. Um, after I qualified for Boston. I never ran again. Wow. Yeah. Cause <laughs> Barely. Because it, it wasn't civil. It wasn't civil. Like it, it was, was it wasn't a civilized approach. It was just focused on, you know, one goal, achieve that goal, and when I qualified, yeah. um, I barely trained 
for Boston. Yeah. You know, and I didn't realize until I was, you know, in Corral one or two or whatever it was, yeah. that people were taking Boston seriously. I just figured I was already, you know, on top of the mountain. I could care less yeah. about what my finish time at Boston was. But people around me were very serious and apparently it's a thing. I learned on that day that people try to requalify for Boston at Boston. At Boston. Wow. I didn't know about that. Right. I was just happy to be there. Made and it, yeah. I made it. I was like, oh, I wish I would have brought my camera. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. Um, and I ran my slowest marathon just, ever. Just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I suffered too. Yeah. Of course. It was a lot harder than I yeah, thought they, it was. They don't call it heartbreak hell for nothing, right? Well, it's funny. You know, I probably should have spent a little more time looking at the course because um, I ran up a hill thinking that was heartbreak hill um, about five kilometers before it actually began. And it wasn't until I was on the second hill that I learned that, no, this is actually heartbreak hill, yeah. buddy. Um, I had no clue. So once again, I was just, I didn't care at that yeah. point. But I never ran much after that. So, um, because a lot of, I mean, just with triathlons, there's a lot of cyclists that run and runners that cycle and crossover. And, you know, we're all kind of fit into that category to a degree. Um, do you find, like, the sense of freedom and adventure is much different um, when you're riding a bike versus going for a run? Um, you know what? No. I enjoy running just as much. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's it's harder for me to get out and get motivated to run for whatever reason. Yeah. I, uh, I probably see, probably I see because you run still, though. Yeah, 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 I do run every now and again. Um, and it's probably because <laughs> of that whole Boston experience that I don't run as much as I used yeah. to. Uh, but I still enjoy it. And every time I get out, I come back thinking, God, I love this. Yeah. Like, I really do. But I'm a little slower and I'm a little more sore than, yeah. than I used to be. And yeah. um, that doesn't make it, you know, that much more enjoyable to go out do it the next time (laughs) but i still you know every now and again i'll go for a run and like i said i enjoy it it's just the hard part getting out as i'm sure you know most people are you know trying to find motivation whether it's to ride to run to do yoga to to do whatever Mm -hmm. it's it's hard well well, i loved what you were saying just to go back a second to the civil civil cycling or just the the civil approach to life um you know because we're Myself included, you know, Strava, Strava junkies, and we're looking at, you know, PRs and KOMs and, you know, uh, you know, f- fastest known times. And like, these are kind of like the jewels that everybody chases. And it's yeah. kind of like, like the anti approach to all of that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, slow down, take your time. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think there's a time and a place if you, if you want to set those goals and, yeah. and challenge yourself. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm all about setting goals and, and yeah. challenging myself. Um, but what led to Sanctuary was was the flip side of that is that yeah. I had done what I wanted to chase. I didn't yeah. want to do it anymore, um, and I you know wanted to just slow down a little bit yeah. um, and enjoy it. Now, mind you, I never thought or imagined that Sanctuary would be as taxing yes. um, mentally and physically, but um, in a different way. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a challenge that I would was prepared to take on. But as far as you know, what I wanted to bring to the cafe, as far as you know, the feel of it, the culture of, of sanctuary was more about let's be civilized out there. You know, mm. let's not kill ourselves. Um, you know, let's not put ourselves in danger on the road. You know, we're, yeah. you know, we're, we're having our ongoing battles with, with uh, drivers. Yeah. And, you know, if we approach our cycling civilly, we're not doing erratic things and putting ourselves in danger and, and enraging drivers. 
um, if we're civilized about it. And so as long as we do our parts as cyclists, um, the hope is that you know drivers will do their part as well to you know be respectful of us um, on on two wheels, and they're not going to you know buzz us. Um, which seems to happen far too often. Um, you know, we can do enough damage to ourselves riding bikes. We don't need cars, um, any help from cars. Um, but, you know, that's what civilized cycling is as well, is that, you know, do our part so that we're not um, upsetting drivers. You know, when, when you see a group of cyclists riding across an entire um, lane of traffic, of course that's going to enrage people. Um, you know, if a cyclist is riding down Steveston Highway or Kingsway, um, or Granville Street as a driver, even myself as a driver, I think, yeah. I'm going to pull this guy, o- this cyclist over and just tell him that there's a bike lane one block over. Oh, right. um, you yeah. know, it's just so much more civilized and you'll enjoy yourself more as a cyclist. Yeah. Riding on those... Stressed out. So stressful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we think of all the politicians that have lobbied and found money to, to create these bike lanes for our safety. Yeah. Jesus, let's use them. Let's use them. Today, today I was run- not, a, not a cyclist, but a runner. I was driving to go get my kids down two road, which they just like a year ago finished the beautiful green 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 trail. And there's a guy just over by by the industrial park where like Russell Sean Fitness is up, running on the road in (laughs) incoming traffic. And literally, like, all the cars are slamming on the brakes. I'm like, what's going on? And I see them all swerving around this guy who's running. And literally, like, six feet to his left is the Greenway. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, what are oh, you what doing? Do you do? Oh, bro, it wasn't me. No, bro, it wasn't you. <laughs> I might have known that guy, too. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably guess a couple people. But, but it's so funny that you say that to him because uh, we kind of had this last summer. We, we coined a nickname for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. The sheriff. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, the sheriff. The sheriff. But, yeah. but it was in that sense of, uh, jokingly so, like, you know, policing, <laughs> air quotes, but educating people, right? Yeah. We were out on a ride and there was a guy with, with his headphones in yes. and, and he was riding like recklessly, right? Yeah. And it was just like this moment where you're like, take your head for him. Like, it's not safe. Like, you're going to get hurt, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh yeah, Tim the sheriff. The sheriff. But, but yeah. it, 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 honestly, it's so true. I mean, um, I, I don't want to say I'm this, this cycling vigilante out there, <laughs> um, but even as cyclists, we need to support one another yeah. and we need to remind one another of, you know, it's, it's not a right so much. It's, it's a privilege to ride our bikes. And so let's respect the road, the rules of the road. Let's respect the people that share it with us. Um, or trails, if you're on a trail and we're sharing it with dog walkers and runners and trail runners and, you know, whoever, let's be respectful. Yeah. And, and if nobody tells these people that are doing something egregious or dangerous or whatever, um, then, you know, they put themselves in danger. They put, you know, those around them in danger. And I don't know. I don't do it all the time. And no, I no, probably no. shouldn't have done it on our ride. No, but, no, it was um, great. It was something, it was, it was somebody that I thought, you're going to put yourself, you know, in danger. Yeah. And something bad is going to happen to you. And I just wanted to let you know, you can't hear me. So if you could just pop one earbud out of your ear. Yeah. You know, you'll be able to hear us come up on you. You'll be able to hear cars come up on you. Oh, yeah. Um, if you can't hear a cyclist yelling on your left, you know... Then you definitely can't hear the cars zooming by, or no, yeah. I know. Yeah, so I've I've grown I've grown used to sheriff. Yeah, um, yeah sheriff, uh, we love it. <laughs> but also, like, so so one of the things you do here at the cafe is well, 
when when we can gather and do fun things together is you have the cycling club and the running yeah, the running, cycling group, and running group yeah. but the, the cycling club like group really took off right yeah. the Thursday night crew and they were accessible rides and they were attended like it was the first the, the sanctuary group ride was the first ride I ever did I showed up with my bike and I looked like a runner yeah. I had like blue <laughs> lemon shorts on and Nike freeze yeah. like it was embarrassing now that I think back to it but I just didn't have the kit but you were so welcoming you're like come out come out come out absolutely and I was like it was it was so much fun and in the first run, before we even got on our bikes, just in the in the little driveway area, the little parking lot you've got here, the kind of welcome and here's how we do it when we ride together speech, which yeah. I was like, oh, that's nice that Tim's doing this for me here. <laughs> but then it's like what you do every time. Every single ride. And it's, it's because there's this, this desire, I think, to educate people and to remind people, like, it's yeah. civil. We're yeah. going to participate in a group ride. We're going to chat, ride yeah. with someone that you don't know, and chat with them. Like yeah. it was almost like, you know, force. Okay, pay kids. Like move oh, to yeah. the desk next to you and talk to a new yep. a new person. It was. But you were taking such leadership to connect people to one another and to the sport and to like the awareness of how can you do this civilly. Yeah. And I just think that's like a big piece of what you've created here. Yeah. Right. And you see it from the way you engage with customers to to the cycle crew, right? And like that's by design. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was definitely guys that came out to that ride thinking that this was gonna be a, a real um, slobber knocker, you know, like they were gonna ride hard and it was like, no guys, you know, yeah. you know, this isn't the day for it. You know, you can train on other days, but you know, this is when you this is when you slow down. This is when you get to, you know, have your conversation and, you know, get to know people. Um, and be reminded why you why you ride, and you know this is the fun part of cycling, yeah, yeah. Um, not just you know seeing how fast you can go or how far you can go or you know how many watts I can produce. Right. Um, you know, save it for another day, and that wasn't what you know our Thursday night rides were about. And I was shocked actually at the response that I got to it. It it almost became frightening because it was it was more people than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're getting like 40 plus cyclists Yeah, I think for... at the, the, the biggest group we had was probably 55 riders. Yeah. And, you know, trying to organize, you know, yeah, organize 55 people, you know, on a moment's notice and, you know, calling on, you know, certain people to kind of lead different groups and um yeah it was it was a little hectic but i was i was very happy to see how many riders there were in richmond um that had no clue you kind of live in your own little world um as a cyclist and you know you stay within your groups and most what i learned that most riders in richmond were riding with people in vancouver right and so they would make the journey to vancouver wherever they would start their ride and meet up with them and uh, inevitably, they would end up back in Richmond doing yes. the Richmond Loop, and because we live here, we would just peel off and miss the last half of the ride. But you know, from what you guys have gathered, the best part of the ride is the end, yeah. and you get to sit and have a coffee or have a beer or whatever you want to do. Um, you know, Richmond riders are always missing out on that, and yeah. even to this day, people are asking Tim, you know, when are we going to have like an official club? Like, are we going to have a club in Richmond? And I said, absolutely, but it's not going to be run by me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got a cafe to run, and right. you know, I want other people to run a, a club, and I do uh, want to be a part of it, but um, I just can't be the one leading it. You yeah. know, I can offer some advice and guidance and be the backdrop for it and the cafe would be a great place for 
for having a club assemble and start their rides and finish their rides. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of an undertaking, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're kind of unofficially doing it in a way anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, everyone wants to wear the same kit, right? Everyone wants to be a team. Everyone wants to look... You yeah, know, all the same, and you know, I, I do too. And as we've said, you know, I, I kind of love my kit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and, and you guys have nice kits. Yeah, we have a right kit. Yeah, um, but you know, that's that's something that I hoped was going to evolve, and I was hoping that 2020 was going to be a year where we would start to see more signs of, you know, the growth of our of our Thursday night rides, and you know, become something more formal. Um, but COVID kind of put a kink in things <laughs> and slowed that down and so now we haven't done a we haven't done a group ride of any sort since March something yeah, like that yeah March I guess something like that March or April I don't even remember when it was but yeah it's been a long time it's been kind of sad I miss yeah. it yeah I miss it too it is, I mean to give you credit as well like my first group ride was with Sanctuary as well and I was super super intimidated like uh you know, thought it'd be all these guys, like you said, like the Sufferfest, you know, yeah. guys smashing their gears. Um, but it was so welcoming and inclusive. And, you know, eventually we started our own, you know, cycling group that, you know, you were a part of yeah. as well at the juice truck. And um, that never would have, we were kind of a, um, a what we call it, the positive trail, right? Yeah. We, were, we were a byproduct of, you know, what you created. So, you know, any positivity that, um, you know, we've been, you know, fortunate to be a part of in the cycling community never would have happened had you not uh, been well, as inclusive you. as Thanks. you are. Yeah, no, it, and it was great being a part of that group as well. I miss all these group rides, and I'm sure, I'm sure all the clubs are, are missing you know these group rides as well. It's it's a it's a tough time right now, and like yeah. I said, it's it's the best part of of riding. I think is riding in groups, and yeah. you know, I, I've unfortunately been riding alone for the most part for the last probably good six months. Um, it's the Lone Ranger now. The just, show. just the Lone Ranger now. I know. <laughs> yep. Put the badge down. Um, and you've gone gravel as well. Yes, which is I a have. whole different, um, you know. I have um, adventure. Wholeheartedly committed to gravel. Almost, almost one hundred percent. I could probably say I rode yeah. my road bike five times last year. Wow. Five maybe. Yeah. Um, but almost every single ride has been on gravel and. You know, this goes back to, you know, once again, that, that philosophy of civil cycling and that, you know, being off the roads and not having to contend with um, narrow roads, um, unsafe roads, uh, cars and, and, you know, aggressive drivers, um, you know, going out onto the dike. You know, we live in a perfect location where you can ride safely, you know, on the dike as an example. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're only contending with, you know, dog walkers, walkers, runners, kids on bikes, you know, strollers, whatever it is. But I know that I'm respectful enough and considerate enough that I'm not going to endanger them. I'm respect, respectful of them by ringing my bell, you know, using my voice to make, make them aware. And, you know, as long as we, we do that as cyclists, then, you know, we can share those trails and it's much safer. Uh, I can contend with that than, you know, trying to deal with you know, aggressive drivers, you know, that's, that's a fight we'll never win as cyclists. We'll never win that. And so, you know, going out onto trails and, you know, I guess being with nature, it's, it's a little safer, you know, much more peaceful. Um, and gravel as a whole, um, 
you know, I guess, you know, the real gravel OGs have, you know, you know, have approached it with not so much the intent of racing as much as it's more about, you know, getting out in nature and, and covering terrain and, you know, riding on gravel roads that roads that are not being used necessarily much anymore. Um, and, uh, just enjoying it. And I've been loving it. Oh, yeah. I've been loving it. And, just, just ex- exploration. You know, I, I go on rides where I'll, I'll see a trail, and you know, I know Zach and I, we've talked about this before, where, you know, we'll be just driving in our car somewhere, and you'll see this little dirt entrance to a trail, and you think, oh, where does that go? <laughs> I'm going to come back on my bike, and I'm going to go down it. And inevitably, you know, there's a lot of moments when I'll go down that little trail, and it'll go about 50 feet, and it'll just end. <laughs> and then you have to turn around and go back. But, part of the fun of you know that i've been experiencing with with gravel is you know finding new routes and new terrain and new places to go and you know it's constantly and what i'm learning is that there really isn't as much concrete gravel routes that are laid out um there's a few that i think are very obvious for people the stanley parks Um, and the pacific Pacific spirit trail yeah Yeah, that which you can get lost in for ever yeah i did a hundred kilometer ride in Pacific Spirit. <laughs> that's, <Whoa>. that's awesome. Because <laughs> you can turn left, like you can go any direction a million times. Yeah, and, I think uh, I touched every single trail yeah. um, on Pacific Spirit one that's day. That's so cool. Um, just because it was, it was a day to explore. Yeah. Um, I thought, let's let's give it a go. And it was an absolute ride. I had so much fun. I couldn't believe I covered 100 kilometers. Yeah, there. that's awesome. <laughs> it changes that. Like, I mean, I've walked my dog you know, through there in the past or, you know, gone through walks with the kids. Yeah. But going, like, ripping through Pacific Spirit on a bike is, like, a whole new experience. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It's just... It's, it's a lot of fun. You feel like you're immersed in this, like, you know, wonderland of nature and it just feels never-ending. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's yeah, in the middle of the city, like, yeah, right? we're lucky. Yeah. We are lucky. We are so lucky. Um, you know, I what I've also learned, too, is that, you know, I, I ride Pacific Spirit during the week. Yeah. So it's less busy. Yeah, um, that's the civil attitude. That it's the civil attitude. It, it really is, and you know, it's part of you know part of what I want for my own personal enjoyment and for selfish reasons. But I also don't want to have to, you know, contest with, contest with you know dog walkers and, and yeah. hikers. And you know, they have their time, and yeah. that's their time to be there. And they don't need you know a cyclist riding through there, you know, at a speed that's a lot faster than they're walking. So yeah. um, yeah, just be respectful. There's other places I can ride on weekends. And, yeah. Um, other places you can you just find you just yeah. find where where it makes sense and where you, where you can be safe um that's what it all kind of boils down to so um you know for those that are listening and are you know dreaming of their their own cafes or businesses that uh you know would be a dream to pursue um before this you know off the bike you had like a nine to five <laughs> yeah um you know corporate job corporate job yes that you did for a long time 20 plus years. 20 plus years. Yeah. Ageless wonder, Tim Lee. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I, start, you I started. I started. 32. I, I started when I was four. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, that's right. So you know, you you did your time, um, you know, working the corporate job. Yeah. And one day, you know, you woke up, or maybe it was you know over years, 20 years of of working that job, but one day you decided, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. In some respects, um, you know, I'll be the first to say I never dreamed of opening a cafe. I think I've said it earlier. I yeah. didn't. I didn't dream of it. It was more all of my life experiences that kind of brought me to this stage. Yeah. Um, you know, my job was eliminated 
you know, some people may, may say I was fired. Some yeah. people may say that I was truly, my job was eliminated. <laughs> whatever, wherever, you know, the truth falls, um, whatever, I've come to peace with it. Yeah. But I've also, you know, came to that realization that, you know, it was something that I enjoyed doing, you know, yeah. and I would probably still be doing it um, to this day. But um, I wanted something different. And, yeah. you know, I'm, you know, I know you guys might not believe that I'm in my 20s, but um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm part of that sandwich generation, I think is what, what they call it, where you know, I, I had kids, or I have a son, yeah. um, and he was in high school, I think, at the time, and um, I had aging parents, yeah. and so caring for both of them was, was very challenging, and so... Um, that became the priority, but also it, it weighed quite heavily as far as, you know, you know, my own psyche, as far as what was important to me. And once again, that kind of fed into the whole civil cycling and, you know, what's important, right? My friends, my family, um, those were, were my priorities. And, and, you know, going back to this job that, you know, I don't want to say failed me um, in any respects. It gave me a wonderful career and, you know, a wonderful life. Um, but I was ready to move on, and I wanted to, to focus more on the things that made me happy. Mm. And the things that made me happy were the cycling. And, you know, still dealing with aging parents. And, you know, I had a brother pass away, yeah. um, you know, amidst all the, all the chaos as well. And so it was a time where I was like, you know, I want to do something that's going to make me happy. You know, I didn't realize it was going to be so challenging and hard. Um, but still, every day I come to work and I enjoy it, you know, and I love it. And... Um, like I said, it wasn't something I dreamed of doing, but, you know, while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grow up, um, you know, whether I was going to go back into that corporate world or, you know, what I was going to do, I was riding my bike. And I was spending time in a lot of coffee shops, and I mean a lot of coffee shops. And I was traveling. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was traveling, I had my bike with me, and I was going to more coffee shops. And, you know, I was seeing, you know, what I enjoyed. And that was, one, riding my bike, two, you know, sitting in coffee shops. And what I started to find myself doing was, was looking at the operations and seeing what I liked about, you know, various coffee shops, what I didn't like as far as what they were doing, how they were talking to customers, how they were, you know, providing their service, um, how the coffee shop was laid out, you know, even right down to the types of cups they were using and all the things I was seeing and looking at most people wouldn't look at in a coffee shop and I don't even really know why I was doing that either mm. but it it was just happening, it was just happening yeah. organically and I was doing it with a friend who was sort of in semi-retirement at the time and um, so we were doing all this together and you know we'd bounce ideas off of each other and I was like what about this guy what about you know what's happening over here and what do you think of that like and you know what would you do if you you know had your cafe if you had a cafe what would you improve and how would you do it differently? And it just kind of got to the point where I thought, might as well, you know, put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, stop complaining about and stop critiquing other coffee shops. And I didn't know anything. And I think I, one of the first conversations I had with Zach was, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I asked Zach for advice. I can't believe I asked you. Oh, I say, good Your God. First mistake. <laughs> first mistake. <laughs> what a waste of an hour. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but I, vegan cookies. Yeah. yeah. No. But the first thing I said was, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I, I will approach this with, you know, humility and I will be humble and, and take my lumps, but I want to learn. I want to know what it is that I need to do to do this 
coffee shop business mm-hmm. or to do start my own business and what does that entail? And I took that same approach to other owners of coffee shops and I said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm thinking about opening up a coffee shop out in Steveston and how do you do it? Like, what do I need to know? And I was really thankful that, you know, a lot of these business owners stepped up and said, here, let me help you. And, you know, if you have any more questions, let me know. Here's my email. Here's my phone number. Give me a call and, you know, bounce ideas off of me. And that's kind of how it all came about. I just put up or shut up is really what it came down to. And then I approached it with pure stupidity and ignorance. (laughs) It's It's like coming home with the cycling kit in 2008. Right and being like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go headlong into this. Oh yeah, and like, then oh. and then it, you know you became this like it's hearing you say like I became a cyclist is like a hard statement for me because it just feels like you've always been right like since I've known you <laughs> yeah. you've been Tim the guy who's a cyclist and opened this cafe but like I I couldn't imagine a time when you like weren't riding a bike and so to say to bring that kind of approach too to the coffee shop and be like it was the bike that got you out to all these different coffee shops and started thinking and created this opportunity. And then in such a similar fashion, you're just like, that's the Jersey I want. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. It's like, this is the thing I want to do. And like, I don't know how I'm going to exactly do it, but I'm doing it. Yeah. I think that's such a cool, that like to me, that's such a cool story because people, we always look at the barriers and, and we're so quick to be like, ah, no, because of all of this or because of this, I can't, I won't, I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have, like, you have this fire, you have this passion that I think drives you to do the things that you want to do, even if it's like, uh, I don't know, like Aaron asking you, why do you have cycling? <laughs> why do you have cycling? Uh, I'm going to start riding now. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. You just go for it. And I, I love that. I admire that about you. And I think that's something that's really cool about, like, the space that you've created and, and just you as a person. So, yeah. well, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss to, to leave out the fact that, you know, there was, you know, there was um, another coffee shop that existed that was very similar in format to to what I have here at Sanctuary, um, and that's we set we set cafe. And when they first started out, they were in this little teeny um, hole in the wall in an alley. And you know, our cycling group, you know, made a pilgrimage to that coffee shop every weekend, and that was something that we did. And you know, that that was the first backdrop or the clubhouse, if you want to call it of where we would always go some, you know, to get our coffee, to get our baked goods. And, you know, once again, it was that first example of, you know, what you could do with a coffee shop that had never been done. So, you know, huge kudos and shout out to, you know, Thomas and and his, you know, brainchild of creating this Mm -hmm. um, because it was something that was the catalyst and inspiration for what I did here. Now, I would argue and say that I'm slightly different, you know, his coffee shop was amazing you know beautifully designed and you know the history and the lore of of cycling was reflected in the walls there um and you know i would say mine's a little bit different in that this you know the walls are adorned with um you know our community Mm -hmm. you know it's the cycling clubs it's the ride to conquer cancer teams whose jerseys hang in our walls it's not lance armstrong's it's not you know eddie merck's um, jerseys and bikes, um, you know, that are, you know, might not resonate with most cyclists, but for people that follow the pro peloton, 
they know who Eddie Merckx is. They know who, um, you know, Lance Armstrong is. Well, mind you, most people know who Lance Armstrong <laughs> is. Um, but, you know, not everybody knows what a Glottman Simpson is or, you know, or a Devo or, you know, whatever um, jersey that might be on my wall. And, and that's our community, yeah. you know, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a, a coffee shop that reflected, you know, our cycling community. And so... You know, that's why we have the jerseys on the wall. That's why we have, you know, medals from customers that are hanging from our, from our walls here. Um, this was more a place that I wanted to have for a community, for the community. Um, not just our surrounding neighborhood, um, but also, you know, a place where, where cyclists, you know, could come and it would be a hub. And, you know, one of the things, you know, that came from my experiences and observations of going to all these coffee shops were, you know, the, the you know, bike parking inside the cafe, um, you know, just having, you know, water accessible. It's shut down now because of COVID, <laughs> but people be able to fill up their own water bottles. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, these were like just little details that, you know, meant a lot to cyclists. Um, it means a lot to know that they can come to a place, they can safely hang their bikes and see them without having to worry about them being stolen. And, you know, you can't enjoy your coffee or your baked good if you're always worried about your bike being stolen. Um, and you know, creating a space for that was important for me. And so, yeah, it's it's a real hub. It's a, it's part of our cycling community. It's part of our Steveston community. And you know, that's was the brainchild. That's what that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's what I wanted here more than trying to, you know, just be a, you know, a cycling cafe with, I don't know, memorabilia and whatnot. Yeah, you've integrated the community both locally, like the neighbors as well as the cycling community. And I think that's a really unique thing because most of the time, a non-cyclist, the only time they see them is when they're driving past them in their car and maybe like begrudgingly so. Mm -hmm. But to have interactions in your cafe with someone who's just coming in for his or her morning latte or bringing the kids to get like a, you know, a cookie or whatever it might be that you have here, a hot chocolate... Now there's these like intersections where people are out of their cars, people are off their bikes, and they're seeing they're seeing cyclists as just like a good group of people hanging out, having a laugh, enjoying the same things that we like. It breaks down these barriers, right? It's still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, it's still a work in progress. Um, yeah, I think that you know it's it's the start of something good, and you know by no means did I come up with this idea that you know is revolutionary, but I do wonder why others don't you know it could be a coffee shop that has a different theme to it that draws a different population to it it could be soccer players it could be um people that knit um, um shout and out it, to and, the knitters yeah. and shout out to the knitters <laughs> <laughs> absolutely there are fans demographic yeah but you know Everyone wants a community, you know, mm -hmm. everyone wants a hub that they can, you know, feel a part of. And, and this was something that, uh, that was important to me. I mean, even the table that we sit at, you know, having something like this was important to me because it allowed groups, large groups of people to be able to sit at and, yeah. and hang out. And, you know, more and more coffee shops have gone away from, you know, this idea. And maybe I'm stuck in the mud and I'm an old fuddy-duddy. Yeah, just by saying that, I think I'm an old person. <laughs> um, but it's it's something that you know, it it's been around for a long time in coffee shops that you know I myself as a cyclist you know appreciate and value because 
a large group of cyclists can come in, sit down, or a large group of friends can come in and sit down. You don't even have to be a cyclist. Yeah. You could just be four, five, six people come in and sit down at a table where you can all have a good time, have good conversation, and hang out. Or knit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knitters are welcome. Well, Knitters are welcome. There's one story, Tim, that I think is really cool, and if you'd share it... Um, I'd love for you to do so because I think it speaks to just like who, who you are as a person and what you've created here. And I feel really honored because I was in the cafe uh, having, having an Americano um, and just doing some work when this exchange happened. And it was oh, you're a say Carl, Carl's, you? yeah. Can oh, you share geez, that story? Geez. It's so good. You're it's so make me good. Cry. <laughs> and it's so funny because like my mother in law knows his wife. And she's like, you know that, yeah. that cafe by your house? I was like, I was there when he brought you When the, he brought me, yeah. yeah. Oh. Can you share that? It's such Jeez, a powerful I'm starting story. to well up again. Jeez. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, when, so Lana and Carl uh, were regular customers of mine. They would come in almost every day, I want to say. They'd come in for their coffee um, after their walk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'd see them quite often and got to know them. We'd chit-chat, you know, small talk, but, you know, friendly, friendly banter back and forth um, over the first few months that we'd been open. And, um, and uh, every now and again, Carl would come up to me and he'd say, you know, hey, Tim, you're probably not going to see me for a few weeks because I'm going for cancer treatment. And, um, but when I recover, I'm coming back here because you're part of our walking routine. So we go for walks and we come for coffee here. Yeah, you bet, Carl. We'll see you in a few weeks then. You know, look forward to seeing you. Every time he'd come in, you know, sit at the chairs, you know, over by our windows there and, you know, have a great old coffee and, you know, just have a great time. And one day he comes in and uh, he presents me with this yellow vanilla envelope. And he's like, Tim, I want you to have this. And I'm like, what is it? He's like, oh, I, I wrote this for you. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. And I didn't think anything of it um, at the time. And then he went out for his walk, and he's like, you know, I'm going to come back here for a coffee. And uh, so I open up the letter, and it's a poem that he's written about his experience and his time spent here at the cafe. And as soon as I read it, I started bawling. Um, because no one has ever done anything like that. And I never thought in a million years that sanctuary would ever be that to someone. Mm-hmm. And it was his sanctuary. It was the place where he came that reminded him of his childhood. Um, all the bikes on the wall and riding his bike. And he was going through his own you know, physical and mental challenges, you know, fighting cancer. And he wrote this for me to tell me how much this cafe meant to him. And so he came back after his, um, his walk and, you know, I kind of was still a little teary eyed and I was like, Carl, thank you. And, you know, I'm a bit of a hugger. So do you mind if I just (laughs) give you a hug? And so he said, Oh, absolutely. Tim. So he gives me a hug. And I'm bawling, and, and, and Carl's crying, and I look over his shoulder, and Lana's in tears as well. And I just thought, oh, my God, I'm a grown-ass adult, and I'm looking like a fool here. Yeah. But it meant so much to me, and it, was, it meant the world to me. But what I didn't know was, I didn't know, I knew Carl, as Carl and Lana, 
But what I didn't know, um, and another customer in the cafe at the time um, approached me afterwards and said, do you know who Carl is? And I was like, well, no, he's just Carl. You know, it's Carl and Lana. He's like, well, you know, he's like an accomplished poet. Really? I had no idea. He's like, oh, he was my professor out at UBC. And um, I had him for my, my master's for English or something like the English literature. And so he's quite an accomplished poet. And he's, what did he give you? He's like, well, he gave you this poem he wrote about sanctuary. He's like, Jesus, that's really, you know, that's, that, com- that means a lot coming from, from Carl. I had no idea. Yeah. I could care less. It was just what, what it meant to him. And what it meant to me was yeah. more than that you know, he, his, that it was like a significant was somebody significant. It wasn't like, a, you know, it could have been from Barack Obama. And I wouldn't care. Right. Um, you know, it was just something so special. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's in our cafe now and, yeah. and it's framed and it's, it's on the wall. And um, some people have come in because they've heard that this poem mm-hmm. is on the wall and they knew Carl. Yeah. Um, and, and they just wanted to see the see the poem yeah. and apparently at a service oh so the other the other thing this is what makes it worse is that um i never saw him again after mm-hmm. he gave me that poem um he passed away i think about two and a half weeks um after that so yeah that was that was hard yeah. <laughs> that was hard um but yeah that meant meant the absolute world to me like yeah. i i could not imagine in a thousand years that this coffee shop was going to mean anything to anyone other than you know feeding their caffeine addiction right <laughs> like a good pit stop on a great ride yeah kind of thing, right and then yeah. but then to see that oh it just thanks dean yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you no honestly oh. and like i'm I, like thank you because that's such a incredible experience and you know you might not even know it at this point but like how many other Carls have sat here and had a coffee and just, you know, engaged with you and your friendly banter and like just your, even with your staff, right? Your, your staff are awesome, all of them. And, you know, like the name is not just a good name, Sanctuary. Like I really think that people find that here and that you've created that, right? And it's a representation of, of, of like you say your whole life's work and I it shows because it's a great coffee shop but it's also so much more than that so thanks and yeah that's it's on the walls it's hanging from the ceiling like it's all of the how you say the community is represented, is represented here. here it's brilliant yeah, yeah thank you thank you you know by definition sanctuary um, is a place of refuge a place where judgment won't be passed um, a lot of people think of sanctuary as, you know, a religious place, but right. it doesn't have to be. It holds no denomination. Um, you know, you don't have to ride a road bike, an e-bike, a, a, a strider bike, um, you know, it, it, or a unicycle. It doesn't matter. We all ride bikes. Um, and, you know, even if you don't ride a bike, you're not judged. And that's, you know, it, it never, it wasn't something that I knew or thought of at the time when, um, I th- came up with the name Sanctuary, but it means so much more. Um, knowing and understanding now the true meaning behind Sanctuary and what it is, is that place of refuge and a place where you won't be judged. Yeah. So yeah, that meant a lot to me. 
even though all my friends didn't like Sanctuary as a name for the coffee shop. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck to your guys. Bad to them. The sheriff yeah. sticking to his guns. Yeah, sheriff. Yep. <laughs> sticking to it. Yep. Well, Tim, um, you know, as a Steveson community member and as a cyclist, you know, we're, I'm grateful, we're grateful for mm-hmm. the, the space that you hold, the space that you create. Um, you know, especially during COVID, um, I think you mentioned this place is a pilgrimage for two of your cyclists, but I think it's a pilgrimage for many. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cycling, walking, you know, there's new activities. We don't have our group rides anymore, but we've got our solo rides and um, having a place to, to ride to that's as welcoming as the sanctuary, I think, has made, you know, a tough time easier for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, thank you for, for sharing conversation with us. And no, for thank you for having me. Creating this space yeah. um, that allows for, you know, so much more than, you know, one person can dream of. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been a lot of fun and... I love talking to you guys. We never get the chance that often. I know. I miss so our rides and our, our hangs. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But right yeah, on, man. We appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. this. This was fun. <laughs> In uh, normal nature, it's uh, uh, we like to you know get the sources of inspiration from those that inspire us. Um, so, just a couple rapid fire questions uh, for those seeking inspiration. Um, so here we go. You ready? I guess so. You might have to edit some of this out, but okay. That's, that's fine. <laughs> um, top three cycling destinations that you've been to? Hawaii. Yeah. Italy and France. Nice. Oh, sorry. Let me back that up. Oof. Back um, it up. Back it up. I will put at the very top of the list, Mallorca. Nice. Mallorca. Mallorca. It is the... Um, Disneyland of cycling, 100%, and it is 100% the most beautiful, amazing place in the world. Um, yeah. Okay. Sanctuary trip, yeah. 2025. So can you imagine? I'm going to have to cut Hawaii off of that list, and I'm going to put Mallorca at the top of that yes. above Italy and France okay. for cycling. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Sure. Top top three climbs that you've done of your many climbs on a bike. Top three climbs. Um, Number one. Oh, should I start number one? Mortarolo. Number one's? Mortarolo. Where, in, where is in this? In Italy. Okay. Um, just south of Bormio. Um, I would say um, uh, the Lasse de Montvernier. Okay. I probably butchered that. Sorry for those that are French speaking. Um, <laughs> Sounded right. <laughs> uh, that is in France, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and Alpe d'Huez. Alpe d'Huez. Nice. Alpe nice. d'Huez, yeah. Oh, Which amazing. one was the most challenging? Uh, Motorola. I think it's rated the second or third hardest climb in the world. Wow. It's brutal. <laughs> it's what, what was the elevation like on that one? Um, it's not so much the elevation, it's the grade. Right. Um, so there's a six and a half kilometer section in the middle of, I want to say, 13 kilometers um, that I think averages 11%. And so it it tips up to like eighteen percent and doesn't drop doesn't drop below seven or eight. Um, so it's <laughs> it's, it's like an hour of just staring at your front wheel 
and you don't even look up. It's just you're it's, just going up. You're just going up. Oof. It's miserable. Sounds fun. Sounds yeah. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so much and fun. that was number one, folks. Okay, <laughs> that, that was, was number the one. Top ride. <laughs> okay, Vancouver top ride in Van- Lower Mainland and top hill in the Lower Mainland. Top climb. Uh, two parter. Okay, two parter. Uh, top right, I have to say the Richmond Loop. You know, as much shout as I, I know, shout out, represent. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's a great, safe ride. And, you know, you cover a lot of distance. You see a lot of different things that you wouldn't normally see if you stay in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. um, you know, even just to, to ride by Finn Slough oh, yeah. um, iconic. is iconic. It's just the most bizarre and, <laughs> you know, unique. interesting, unique thing. Yeah, Get on your bike and go check it out, Finn Slough. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and my favorite climb is Mount Seymour. Nice. Mount Seymour. Yeah, 100%. Once again, it's, it's a much more enjoyable route to get there. Um, and then it's, it's much more challenging than the other two uh, local ski hills in Cypress and Grouse. Yeah. On my, uh, to, to go off topic here, on my first ever Triple Crown, which is Grouse, Seymour, Cypress, I saw Tim in the last, like, oh, yeah, 5K right. on Cypress, and I was just dying at this point, and I was like, Tim, just talk to me until we get to the end of Cypress, and he was, Tim, tell me a story. The kind, the kind soul that he is guided me up to the, uh, the finish line. Yeah, Zach killed it. He's a beast, and he, he won't admit it. <laughs> I remember seeing your Sanctuary jersey, and, like, you know I had the same comfort I have sitting in your cafe just seeing the jersey. Like, oh my God, it's Tim yes. <laughs> My <Yeah>. savior. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But let's, let's, for the record, I was climbing only one mountain that day. You were climbing three, and uh, you still caught up to us after your third, so, or at, on your third. So, it was um, desperation. Desperation. You had to, <laughs> you had to get, get there. there. <laughs> um, okay, we were talking about Born to Run. Uh, the book uh, prior to we prior on our pre-pod conversation. Um, any books, fiction and non-fiction, that you would recommend people open up? Oh man, you know what? I don't even read books anymore these <laughs> days. I'm all about podcasts. Okay, we, oh, can, yeah, we, go can, podcasts. Uh, we can go podcasts. Oh, you know what? I'm embarrassed to say one of the the ones that I just started listening to. Um, is is all about the show Entourage. Okay. Now, if you remember that show oh, Entourage. Yeah. So the the director, um, Doug Allen, and uh, Kevin Connolly and Kevin Dillon um, are the hosts of it. And they just kind of recount their experiences um, of being on the show and, you know, the, the trials and tribulations of, of each episode and the challenges that they faced. And it's just, it's a very entertaining and funny podcast um about a show that you know i spent probably far too much time watching <laughs> um but it's 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 mindless and that's kind of that's when what that's need. what i need yeah. you know I, I enjoy mindless i enjoy mindless television and movies watching and yeah. that sort of things i keep it pretty simple yeah so. keep it simple yeah keep, keep it simple, it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> um post-covid uh what are a few places on your your travel bucket list Oh, a few rides. Well, I was supposed to travel That's right, to uh, Switzerland for my um, you don't have my to say, uh, milestone birthday. Your milestone 31st birthday. Thirty-first uh, birthday. Thirty first time, birthday. Time machine Tim here. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, so I think I, I do want to get back to um, to Switzerland and yeah. Italy. Um, that was uh, it was a two week trip planned to to climb more mountains actually yeah. um, in Switzerland and Italy, uh, but we just 
obviously never made it there. So. And what about for gravel? I'm always sending you all these ones in the stands. Do those uh, tickle your fancy at all? You know, yes, Zach. <laughs> you know, you and I will do the Soap Road one yes. day. <laughs> I guarantee that. Um, but I've I've learned that um, there are more uh, routes going up. Uh, iconic mountains that yeah. we've already climbed, like Alp d'Huez, right. um, that there are, there are gravel versions of all of these iconic climbs yeah. that can get to the tops of these mountains. And so that has recently piqued my interest now as well. Um, but the Silk Road is something that, it, I guess it's, it's not indefinite. It won't always be there from what we've learned. Right. Um, you know, because of development, there's going to, it, it's going to pave right over a lot of what was once the Silk Road, and so you know, it's going to disappear. And the ability to ride and travel uh, along that route um, is going to disappear very soon. I don't know exactly when, but um, I think there is a greater urgency to want to do that right. um, than some of these other routes that, as you know, will will probably always be there. It probably won't. Yeah, um, it won't face, it's not going anywhere, and it's probably yeah. not going to face development like uh, like the Silk Road will. But yeah. Um, it uh, seems like quite a challenge and maybe out of my comfort zone a little bit, yeah, so um, I'll, I need to wrap my head around how that might actually play out. But yeah, it's something I think I want to do for sure. Cool. Go-to coffee order. Go-to coffee order? Cortado. Cortado, okay. That's what you got to order when you come in and Tim's behind the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's what I drink. That's what I enjoy. <laughs> nice. Yes. Absolutely. Oat milk, right? Oh, yeah, Tim's a vegan for those that are listening. Yes, <laughs> he just doesn't like to advertise it. I just don't openly admit it. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, behind closed doors. That's so good. So five years from now, what what does sanctuary look like as a cycling coffee culture cafe? What does it look like? I think it will be exactly how it is. Um, it's not my desire to change and evolve it too much. I think, um, if anything, I just want to make it better. Mm. Um, but, you know, the, the roots of it, you know, will still be there and it will still be the same. You know, the, the philosophy will still be here. Um, I don't want to change a lot. See, I'm old. I don't, I resist change. <laughs> Have you read the book Small Giants? I think no, we might have I, I think that one would resonate with you. Oh, really? Okay. It's like not about doing more. It's about doing what you're doing better. Better. Yeah, I love Cause, it. Because we all have this quest to like acquire and expand, and sometimes the the truest, um, you know, the greatest thing we can accomplish is doing one thing great versus yeah. you know doing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's true. I mean, you know, more and more people, um, you know, I think that same analogy, you know, applied to, I think it came up actually watching a Canuck game and they talked about, you know, a, a fourth line player. Um, it's like, we don't need you to score 50 goals in a season. You yeah. know, we need you to do this one task and be the best person doing it on the ice and, you know, keep it simple. Yeah. You know, keep it simple and, you know, do it to your best of your ability and, there's lots more to improve, um, I think, with the cafe. But you know, I think the the foundation is there, and you know, I don't want to deviate too much. I just want to make it better. Yeah, make it better. 
deeper, deeper connections. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that's something that, you know, it's, it's something that if I am not here, that those same conversations take place, the same storytelling, um, you know, exists, and that we've created an environment that allows for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if in five years, you know, I'm not here as often, um, customers still come here knowing that they're going to feel the same way as if I am here. Um, and Zach, I'm sure it's the same at, at the juice truck, you know. Um, you might be the face of the juice truck, but, you know, that your fundamentals, your beliefs, um, it, all, it all resonates through your staff. And if they're, if they're representing you and, and you're confident that they are, then, you know, that same degree of success is going to continue. Uh, at least we hope. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my hope. Cool. All right. So you, any more dinner? I think that's a good place to land. I think that's great. All right. Yeah. Cool. Come visit Tim and the crew here at Sanctuary, located at the end of Number Two Road in Steveston on the Richmond Loop. And on Instagram, how do we find you? Sanctuary. Sanctuary Cafe YVR, I think. Sanctuary Cafe Sounds YVR. Right. Something yeah. like that. And if you want to follow Tim, he's got a crazy name on Instagram, so you probably won't find him. Acme Dragon 337. Boom. There we go. Yeah. 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 You don't want to creep on me. Our our find is alter uh, Instagram at vegan dragon 337. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Steak eater 337. (laughs) All right, Tim. Thanks so much, man, for your time. Thanks, you guys. Sharing your space with us. Yeah. Right on. guys were as stoked by that episode as we are we're gonna go jump on our bikes and climb the hills of richmond <laughs> that's right yeah there's one it's it's like a speed bump there's no hills in richmond for those that don't know <laughs> but maybe we'll head out to north van and do some climbing inspired by tim um if you're you know if you're interested in cycling i think that'll that'll get you going if you're interested in starting a business uh, Tim's just an overall inspiration, so mm-hmm. grateful that we got to spend that time chatting with him. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's some good takeaways there for you, life lessons with uh, with Tim Lee, and uh, as always, get out there and do a little more good in the world, my friends. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 